Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Uh, this week is going to be a special midweek episode. Uh, we are airing this here just before Christmas, so we can kind of get it out there. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite Christmas specials here. Uh, I do have Eva back here to kind of talk with us about this. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, so, Eva, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk this week about Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yay! It's one of my favorites, too. Yes. And just so that there's no confusion, this is uh -huh. not the live-action movie. This does yep. not have Jim Carrey in it. Mm-hmm. This is the 1966 Christmas special that was the animated special. Okay. All right. So... I got to say, I love this thing. It's it's just so nice. You know, and the fact that it was all animated, it held a lot of the same uh, styles as what was in the books when, when uh, Theodore yes. Geisel uh, did the books. Yep. You know, just great. I, I love this. I love uh, it, too. And I have the book, and we read it every year on Christmas Eve. And it's, you know, it's a little different from the book, but yeah. it's, it. oh, my gosh. It's just, yeah, the... the um, animation and the drawing and just the telling of the story and everything it just it really brought it to life like superbly in my opinion it's it's definitely one of my favorites in my top five and i look forward to watching it every single year yes uh, now a little bit of history on this one here uh mm -hmm. this was actually done by director animation director chuck jones uh mm -hmm. For everybody who's who's who doesn't know the name, you've all seen Chuck Jones's work. Uh, uh -huh. Chuck Jones did a lot of Bugs and Daffy stuff back in, uh, I want to say the late '40s, early '50s, and '60s. Uh -huh. uh, he also did. Uh, there was a series of Tom and Jerry cartoons that he did. Yes. Uh, and when you I look at it, when you look at that Tom and Jerry style, uh -huh. the style for Tom and Jerry, and then you look at the Grinch, you can definitely see what he's done you know you can see yeah. it you can go that's chuck jones that's chuck jones yeah. that's chuck jones it's that touch that spin on it and you can tell mm -hmm. yep i agree okay uh now this is based on this animated special is based on the children's book by dr seuss aka theodore geisel uh mm -hmm. and it is the story of the grinch trying to take away christmas from the townsfolk of whoville below his yep. mountain hideaway mm -hmm. uh Special is basically considered a short film as it runs less than an hour. It's yeah. one of the very few Christmas specials from the 60s to still be shown regularly on television. Uh, awesome. As we've mentioned before, we had, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas that's from the 60s that's still being aired today. We have Rudolph from the 60s that's still being aired today. So mm -hmm. this is one of those few that still runs. Yes. Uh, now, the reason that this came about is that uh, – Chuck Jones and Theodore Geisel previously worked together on the mm -hmm. private snafu training cartoons that were run during World War II for our troops. Uh -huh. And uh, Theodore Geisel actually had a lot of stuff that he did. Uh, if you really want a little bit of information here, uh, they actually have a really excellent library out at UCSD and a little bit of a museum for Theodore Geisel out there really? at the UCSD library. And Sweet. in there, they have a lot of his works that he did. Uh, uh -huh. Kind of because he came from Germany. Uh, yeah. He actually had – he was publishing political cartoons back there, and that's kind of what got him started when he came. He left Germany just before World War II, mm -hmm. uh, and he was getting out. And one of the cartoons that he did actually kind of became a kid's book called The Sneetches. Uh -huh. uh, and if you remember The Sneetches, they actually had – some had stars on their chest and some didn't. And the whole thing was basically a war about who was better and who wasn't. What yeah. that was, that was actually a take on uh, the Star of David that the Nazis were forcing the Jews to wear back in uh, Germany at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a it was kind of a political stab at that, and he kind of expanded on it and made it into a children's book to kind of say, you know, maybe we shouldn't be like this. Maybe we should just kind of see everybody's differences and realize that everybody's kind of the same in a sense. Yeah. You know, so that was kind of where he got his start, and he kind of came over and started doing all these children's books, 
and it became a wonderful thing. So yes, do you know how he went from Theodore Geisel to Dr. Seuss? Like how he came up with the name? That I don't. I should. Know, I used but... to know. I used to know because I was a preschool teacher for many years, and we used to do a Dr. Seuss um, unit basically on the, with the children. And I think I'll have to do my research again, but I believe it's just kind of a name that he just kind of made up. And I think that his mother wanted him to be a doctor when he was younger, or he had aspirations to be a doctor. And so that's where that part came from. But I believe Zeus, he just kind of pulled that up out of his butt. I could be wrong. It's been a long time. But so if any of you listeners know where he came up with Dr. Seuss, I would love to (laughs) be familiarized with it again. I know that he, I know that he had at least one book because I remember having it as a kid Uh uh, that was, it was clearly a Dr. Seuss book. He, they had like a series of these Dr. S- Dr. Seuss I Can Read books. And the yes. one that I remember, it was something about a fish. And the name of the, name of the author was Theo Lasseg. Uh-huh. And it was basically Theodore Geisel. He just changed the name around a little bit and played with it a bit. Oh, so, wow. Kind of fun, mm-hmm. kind of little fun tidbits there on that. Uh, yeah. Now, this short here, it, it was 26 minutes long. It was uh-huh. originally telecast on CBS in on December 18th, 1966, mm-hmm. and CBS repeated it annually during the Christmas season until 1987. So oh, wow. this is where I grew up on it. You know, I, I remember yeah. watching it on, on CBS all the time. Uh, yes. And then beginning in 2006, ABC began broadcasting it annually during the Christmas season, and mm-hmm. it's also been carried on ABC Family. Mm-hmm. Uh it was acquired by TBS, Turner Broadcasting System, which now shows it several times between November and December. Uh, it's been broadcast on TBS, TNT, Cartoon uh-huh. Network, uh, WB, and ABC Family, but they have trimmed some scenes basically to fit in some more commercial time. Of which, course, yeah. Uh, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, now – with Boris Karloff, he was the voice of the voice of the narrator and the Grinch, and this was in one of his final roles. Oh, was it? Yes. Uh, and basically, the opening credits state the sounds of the Grinch are by Boris Karloff and read by Boris Karloff too. So that was kind of a little yep. little nod to him. Oh, he, he did was, a great job. I loved how he did that. Yes, and he was the only one that actually got credit for doing any of the voicing on this on this show. If you really? look at the credits on there, nobody else does. But there are some famous people that that were in this, famous voice actors, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, this special was originally produced by the Cat in the Hat Productions uh, uh-huh. in association with television and animation divisions of MGM Studios. So mm-hmm. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer stepped in on this. Uh, cartoon's original release, the program, the, the reviews on it weren't great, unfortunately. Really? Uh, they said it was probably as good as most of the other holiday cartoons. Uh, but come on, I mean, we all recognize it as a classic. We all love it. We've all grown up on it. It's yes. been popular enough to make a live action film out of it, and you uh-huh. know, a fairly decent one at that. Absolutely, I love it. I love it. It's not the same as the original, and I like that it's not the same. But it's you know, it's got its own charm in its own right. But it's oh, yeah. definitely a very good interpretation and a very good uh, remake of it, in my opinion. Yeah, it, you know the the show just it continues to be popular in nielsen ratings in fact in 2010 uh the last time it aired uh it won its time slot against uh for people 18 to 49 and finished Mm -hmm. second in overall viewers holy moly gotta give it credit it's still up there people still love this cartoon Mm -hmm. so absolutely uh now as we mentioned with the cast we do have we, we it's not a big cast for this one there's no. really only about three or four people in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Boris Karloff, who is the Grinch yep. and narrator. Uh, for those who don't know who Boris Karloff was, un- unfortunately, the man has passed, but he yeah. has had some iconic roles. And one of the things that he was probably best known for, uh, and this is more than 75 years ago, was yeah. Frankenstein. He was Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and he played Frankenstein's monster at just about every chance he had. Universal wow. Studios loved him for that; they used him consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he did he did other things. He played as Emotep in The Mummy. Uh, he played as Fu Manchu in, in some of the other horror films. Primarily, he was known as a horror specialist. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he was kind of the Rob Zombie at the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I kind of say, I, I got to say, I liked him. You know, he was he was a great figure, had a great voice, and you yeah. knew him when you heard him. Oh, yeah. Uh Next person we have down the list, she is one of my favorites. She's still alive, still working in voice acting today, and just absolutely incredible. Uh, this woman is June Foray, mm-hmm. and she played the voice of Cindy Lou Who. Oh, now she's for, done a lot of stuff. You've mentioned her name in other podcasts that we've done. Yes, she's yeah. June Foray is probably best known. Uh, for playing as Granny and Witch Hazel in the Looney Tunes shows. So anytime that you see oh. Granny running around, that's June Foray. Oh, um, okay. She's also been Rocky the Flying Squirrel, mm-hmm. Natasha Fatale in The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mm-hmm. She was Jokey Smurf in The Smurfs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the original cartoon series, not the you know li- oh, okay. live-action movies with, with um, Doogie Howser. Oh, okay. Uh she was also the voice of Grandmother Fa in Mulan, uh, who's supposed uh-huh. to be like a dead spirit that comes talks to Mulan. Very she cool. She was also Magica Dispel and Ma Beagle in DuckTales. Uh-huh. And she was Grammy Gummy in The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. She's done a lot. Oh, yeah. June Frey has done a lot. She's she's still doing stuff for like Garfield, uh, the, the Garfield cart, uh, computer animated TV series that runs on... I believe it's Cartoon Network. I apologize uh-huh. for not knowing off the top of my head, but she's worked with Mark Evanier. Uh, she actually just recently, uh, this past, I want to say this past year or, or two years ago, uh, won, finally won an Emmy for her voice acting. And everybody thought that she had an Emmy. And yeah. was like, surprise, surprise. You know, she's like 93 years old and still oh. working today in voice acting. Holy crap. Yeah, good for her. You know, I'm glad to, glad to hear that, and I know I'm going to miss her when she's gone. Wow, uh, she's not. Yeah, that's a very talented woman. Uh, now, the next person here, this is important to distinguish this, Thurl Ravenscroft. Uh, mm-hmm. Thurl Ravenscroft, you've heard him in a lot of things. Uh, he did not actually speak on anything with this, per se. Uh-huh. But he was the singing voice for for the Grinch. Oh, uh, okay. If you hear the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Yeah. That yes. is Thurl Ravenscroft singing that song. Oh, I thought it was Burl or not Burl. I thought it was uh, Boris Karloff. No, it was Thurl oh. Ravenscroft. Wow. And Thurl Ravenscroft has a very distinct, deep voice. Yeah. Uh, you notice it as soon as you hear it. Disney loved him. He was actually a favorite of, of Walt Disney's. Uh if you've, if you've ever been to Splash Mountain at Disneyland and you're walking uh, through the ride uh-huh. and you hear the announcer that's talking about taking you to your laughing place, uh-huh. okay, that originally was Thurl Ravenscroft before he passed. Oh, I'll be darned. Uh-huh. Uh, he was also the voice of Black Bart in The uh-huh. Sword in the Stone. So at the end, when you hear – when everybody's trying to pull the sword out and he, he's the guy who goes, hey, let the boy have a try, you know, in that yeah. really deep voice. That was Thurl Ravenscroft. Uh, Thurl was also captain in 101 Dalmatians. And then Mm -hmm. if you ever saw any of the Brave Little Toaster movies, he was Kirby the vacuum cleaner. Oh, wow. So that deep voice is coming out again. And just you hear him all over the place in in a lot of Disney films. And you don't realize it until you listen to it. And you're like, I I know that voice. I know that voice. Yes. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Next person down the list. He didn't really speak in this, except making some type noises. Uh-huh. Uh, this would be Dal McKinnon. Okay. Uh, Dal McKinnon was Max, the dog. Cute. Okay. Now, Dal has also had a ton of roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever saw the cartoon show uh, U.S. of Archie or any of the Archie cartoons, he was the voice of Archie Andrews. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the voice of the bear on the Isle of Nabumbu in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Very cool. Uh, he was the voice of both Gumby and Pokey, as uh-huh. well as Wally Walrus, Buzz Buzzard, and others on the Woody Woodpecker show. And mm-hmm. he was several of the pound dogs in Lady and the Tramp. Very cool. So Dal got around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So now, knowing all this, 
we're now going to play the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to let you pick one of these actors and throw it at me. See if I can see if you can stump me. Okay. So are we going to do the rule that we established with Carlo where you cannot start with the same movie? If you want me to do that for this one, I will do that. But okay. you have to give me a name. Okay. Oh, well, crap. Okay. That, that means it's going to be extra work for me. To, okay. Uh, okay. Um, uh, I think, um, all right. I don't have the name cause, but you just mentioned it. Was it, uh, June Foray that did little Cindy Lou who? Yes. Okay. June Foray. Okay. So June Foray was with Alan Oppenheimer on the Smurfs. He's another very famous voice actor who did things like She-Ra and, and He-Man. Okay. okay. Uh, Alan was with Mark Hamill in Batman the Animated Series. Bat- Mark Hamill was the voice of the Joker. Uh-huh. Mark Hamill was with Harrison Ford in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford was with Brad Pitt in The Devil's Zone, and Pitt was with Kevin Bacon in the movie Sleepers. Oh, sheesh. But I, sh- <laughs> Now, how many jumps was that? Was that uh, five? One, two, let's see. June Foray to Alan Oppenheimer is one. Alan to Mark is two. Uh, Mark to Harrison Ford is three. Ford to Pitt is four. Pitt to Bacon is five. Nice. Good job. So it's certainly possible. Dang. Uh, you know, okay. I, 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 if I could have done any one of those, though, because it would have been really easy. Uh, you know, Thurl Ravenscroft would, would have been really easy because – uh, John Lovitz was the voice of the radio in uh-huh. uh, Brave Little Toaster. Uh huh. John Lovitz was with Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own and Big. Yes. And yeah. then uh-huh. Hanks was with Bacon in Apollo 13. So if you wanted it even shorter, I could have done it that way. Oh wow, you're you know. you're too good. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, you know, and, and to really to really pull it out here, if we wanted to do Max, okay, uh-huh. to give you an idea, I was contemplating Max. Yes. Okay. Well, let me do Max for you. Okay. okay, so Dal McKinnon was with Angela Lansbury in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Uh-huh. Angela Lansbury was with Liz Taylor in National Velvet. And yes, I'm going way oh. back in old movies. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so Liz Taylor was with Rick Moranis in The Flintstones. Mm-hmm. Rick you, Moranis. You, you, you use that a lot. <laughs> yes, but that's a link. That's a oh, link. It is. It so is. Rick Moranis Dang for the Flintstones. Rick Moranis was with Steve Martin in My Blue Heaven. Uh-huh. And Steve Martin was with – you know what? I'm going to do this. Steve Martin was with Kevin Bacon in Novocaine. I never saw that. Okay. Yes. It was, it was a movie where Steve Martin actually plays kind of a straight man. He's a dentist. Uh-huh. And he numbs up people and then he was like – I want to say he was like molesting people. But oh, Kevin Bacon okay. was one of the patients that came in, and it was just like oh. – it was a dark movie. It was not a comedy at all. So it was oh, – a lot of people okay. didn't see it because it was yeah. – one, it was an independent film. Two, it was very dark, and it was not your typical Steve Martin comedy. I was just going to say this that seems like a departure from his normal genre there. Oh, wow. I've never seen that. Yeah. Now I'm curious about it. I'll have to see it. So you may want to go – you may want to go look it up. I want to say it's on Netflix, but I'm not 100 percent certain on that. Okay. So take a look for it. See if you can find it. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah, I, I will admit I looked up some of these here just to see what movies they were in because, yeah. I mean, obviously the only things that I knew, like Boris Karloff, I knew he was the Frankenstein. I knew yeah. I've heard Thurl Ravenscroft in other Disney films, but I couldn't place him in what Disney films until I started looking. And then once I was like, oh, boom, 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 you know, I knew. Yeah. June uh-huh. Foray. I mean, come on. June Foray is like she's in everything it seems like. I know, and I didn't want to pick her, but <laughs> oh, I'm going to get you someday. Well, here's one for you with, with Boris Karloff, okay? Uh-huh. Just a little tidbit. Boris Karloff, when he was Frankenstein and he did uh, Bride of Frankenstein, uh-huh. uh, the woman that played as the Bride of Frankenstein, her name was Elsa Lanchester, okay? Uh-huh. Elsa was with Julie Andrews in Mary Poppins, okay? Now, if you remember, at the beginning of Mary Poppins, when you see the nanny that quits, that she says that yes. the kids are just completely incorrigible and yes. she leaves, that's uh-huh. Elsa Lanchester. Oh, okay. Didn't okay. know who that was. Okay. Yeah, so she's with she was with Mary Poppins. She was with Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins. Julie uh-huh. was with Rupert Everett 
in Shrek 2, okay? And I'm oh. sure you're going, who's Rupert Everett? Well, I, I do know who that is. Okay. okay. So you know uh-huh. that Rupert Everett was with Julia Roberts in My Best Friend's Wedding. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, Julia was with Kevin Bacon in Sleepers. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, I yeah. You know, that was – once I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Rupert Everett – because I was, I was trying to remember. I'm like, what has he done? Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm like, the name sounds really familiar. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Shrek mm-hmm. 2. He was the voice of Prince Charming in Shrek 2. Oh, I did not know that. Cool. So, yeah. All right. All righty. So let's move on to the plot of this. Okay. Now, we all pretty much know what the plot of this thing is, is that yeah. I'll, I'll give you the short and sweet version of it. Okay. The Grinch hates Christmas. The Grinch lives yep. above town, and he's kind of disgusted at the town's folk. And, yep. you know, he doesn't want to have anything to do with them. And he really hates the fact that they have all this noise. They have all this celebrating and... You know, my God, it's all about it's all about how much money they spend, how much noise they make, all this gluttony and everything that they go through, and it's just absolutely he's, horrible. Yeah, he's basically like a um, uh, like an Ebenezer, just kind of you know very grumpy and crotchety and just hates Christmas, and that's what, that's what struck me. It was like he's like Ebenezer Scrooge. Yep. Yeah. And he takes it upon himself to ruin Christmas for the Who's so that they don't they don't have all this noise, they can't come back at him and and maybe they'll feel some of his misery. Uh-huh. And you know, he decides, he gets into his mind after hearing all this and thinking about this, he gets in his mind that he's going to take his dog Max, they're going yep. to pretend to be Santa Claus, go down to town, steal all the presents, all the food, all the Christmas yep. trees and everything. And bring it back to his cave up on Mount uh-huh. Crumpet. Yep. And he gets it up there and he finds out that, you know, Christmas morning comes and the Who's are all still standing around singing and, and rejoicing over Christmas having come. Christmas still came anyway, no matter what the Grinch tried to do. Uh-huh. And the I love realized, that. Yeah, you know, he realizes that gee, it really isn't about all that stuff. It's not about, yeah. you know, that's the message that comes through. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, it, it's just so nice. You know, it's, we realize that it's not about the presence. It's not about the food. No. It's about being together. It's about family. Yeah. It's about everything coming around you. Mm-hmm. That's what Christmas is about, really. A- absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it teaches a lesson. And this was something that, was straight out of the book that Dr. Uh-huh. Seuss tried to teach everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it kind of came to that. Yeah. And, uh, I love how he, you know, he, after he returned the stuff, he ended up joining the Who's in their celebration. And I just, it was just so sweet. And I don't know if you noticed this. I'm sure you probably did. Um, but once, you know, before his eyes were red and then once his heart grew and once he realized what Christmas was all about and he returned all their stuff, his eyes were blue from then on out. Yes. I don't know if you noticed that. And they were blue and he was smiling the entire – from the time that he realized what Christmas was all about and he brought the stuff back, he had a permanent smile on his face the entire rest of the movie. Yes. And it, was not like was... A, it was not like that horrible devilish grin that he had. No, no. You know. It was so cute and so well done. But I – you know, I've seen this movie hundreds of times, but – and I, you know, and I know it's like, it was one of those things that's like, I've seen it so much, but I didn't really take note that his eyes had changed color until I was watching it really intently for the podcast. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> so that's what's different. He's smiling for the rest of the, you know, the last five, 10 minutes of the movie and his eyes are blue. Yep. Kind of cool. Yeah. Well, there were some other changes to this from the book too, because yes. the book doesn't have any color in it other than, you know, red and black and some occasional uh-huh. shades of pink. Uh-huh. Exactly. And I noticed that too. I was going to bring that up that the movie was much more colorful and it just added to yes. the overall effect of it. Also, in the book, we did not have his dog Max. They didn't have any of the songs in there. So those were kind of just things that were add up, but basically, yeah. All of the narrations in this film, in this short film are straight from the book, which I really like. Yeah. So it's basically, I do. you know, Boris Karloff sitting down with the book and reading it straight verbatim almost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to interject, too, that we have the copy of the book that we read to our kids every year. And I let Daniel read it, my husband, because when he was in high school, he was in drama class. And that was what he actually chose that book to recite for 
uh, a drama assignment. And he literally, he said he memorized it like overnight. He memorized that entire book and recited it the next day in, in class, in his drama class. And it just is like, wow, that's a pretty long book to memorize. He's like, yep, it took me all day and all night but I did it. I memorized the entire thing. So now that's kind of like our tradition that he reads it to the kids and it's, it's really special. And I like how the movie incorporates the general story and a lot of the illustrations and the basic gist, but it does add more color and it does add, you know, the songs and it adds extra stuff to make it extra special. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't detract from the book whatsoever. And the book doesn't detract from the movie whatsoever. We could wa- you know, listen to the book and then watch the movie. And it's just, we love them both. So I, I just felt like it was overall just so well done. Yeah. I mean, there, there were a lot of things with this here that I liked. I mean, you know, we start and we see that little things like we find out that the Grinch has a heart that's two sizes too small. And I, I yeah. love how they animate that. You see them like coming yeah. over with an x-ray and it zooms in and they're like, <laughs> Oh, let's put a magnifying glass down to try and find it. Yeah, it's so adorable. And just, you know, um, yeah, the little touches, like trying to think. I wrote some stuff down that I just really, um, I really liked. And I was going to ask you, um, I was wondering about like the songs, like the Christmas song that they sing in the beginning. Ah, I don't know the words. Do you Uh know if there's any like special meaning behind the songs and behind like they have like really unusual names for like the toys and the gifts and the songs? Do you know anything about where that came from? Is it just something he pulled out of his ass or is there like, is it like pig Latin? Is it? Well, actually, actually, yes, there is a little bit about that is that the language People, he, he tried to write it so that it was kind of, it was a faux Latin. It was a fake Latin. Uh-huh. And That's they what wanted, I got out of it. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, is this pig Latin? Is this Latin? What is this? He, yeah. he basically wrote it up to make it sound la- uh, like it was Latin. And people actually wrote in asking for Latin translations of it later on. Oh, I wondered about like, that. Uh, yeah, there's no translation. It's just faked up. I made it sound like yeah. it was Latin. <laughs> Yeah, I, that was something that struck me. And again, I've seen this every year, every year since birth, you know, but, and I remember thinking how creative it was as a kid. And, you know, even as an adult, wow, that's really creative. But then I got to thinking, is there something behind this? And that's when I thought Pig Latin. I was like, there, I was listening kind of intently to the words. And I'm like, this is brilliant. <laughs> I wonder what it means. Very yeah, cool. He just, you know, and that was the thing is that they wrote that out there and, and, Dr. Seuss actually wrote all the lyrics to all the songs there. Uh-huh. So when you're hearing them singing Fabu Fore, Dabu Dore, or whatever the heck it yes. is, I yeah. don't know. You know, I mean, I know that it's out there. I'm sure if I went and did a search on Google, I could find it, but oh, it's not sure. worth it for me to find out what the words are. <laughs> <laughs> a little too much time. Yeah. And then I have another question. Is the Grinch, because I know in the actual, you know, the live action movie, that he was described as being a who? Is that brought up in the cartoon? Is he actually a who? No, it's never brought up in the cartoon. He's just kind of one of these people who lives off on his own. And that was one of the big changes with the movie. Again, Uh, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to cram in an extra hour onto uh, the cartoon. So they were doing a lot of fill in for it. But the movie expanding even more, they had, you know, they had him being a who that was kind of kicked out and kind of ostracized. Yeah. And he kind of runs away, and that's where he becomes the Grinch is that he hates all the Who's. This, yeah. it's just he hated him from the start. Yeah, exactly. They did have to expand on the original story quite a bit, and they did a wonderful job in that movie. It was I, I love that movie. Um, but it just kind of got me thinking. I'm like, I wonder if he was actually really a Who in the original version. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I, I know that there are a lot of things about this film that I, I really like little touches. You know, when we see Cindy Lou who, and she's the smallest who of them all. Yeah. She comes out, she's, you know, she discovers Santa coming down. She comes downstairs and she thinks that it's Santa Claus giving presents and delivering everything. And no, it's the Grinch. And he gives that whole fake story about how there's a bulb on one side of the tree that's out and he's taking it back to his workshop to fix it and bring it back. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. You know, and it was yeah, just kind of one of those things so where I'm like, cute. oh, my God, he's being that mean and nasty. And I remember thinking that I can't believe he's actually going to lie to her and yeah. tell her this. And, and she's going to yeah. buy it just because she's so innocent and sweet. 
Yeah, you know? she was so cute. Oh, love it. But, and that was another thing, too, that I thought was interesting, is they made Cindy Lou in the movie, the live-action movie, so much older. And it was just like, huh, another little change there that they did in the Ron Howard version. Um, well, one yeah. thing that bothered me about her, and it was because, like, we had all the Who's, and they all had their funky hairstyles that kind of stood up. Mm-hmm. Cindy Lou who, who had antlers. Yes. Yes. What she was up with that? I never understood that. I, I, I kept thinking, did she breed with an elk or something like that? You know, know, did her parents breed with an elk, and that's why she's that way? I wasn't sure if they, if they were antlers or if it was just her hair sticking up or if it was. Yeah, it was the I, most bizarre it was thing. It was bizarre, and I was I, I remember thinking that too. Even last night when I was watching it, I'm like, what are those supposed to be? Because you don't see it. Well, is that the only scene that she's in? There's another scene where she's sleeping and he takes the candy canes. Yeah. But I don't remember seeing that when she's in the bed sleeping. But, yeah, I remember thinking, what the heck is up with that? <laughs> well, and I remember at, like, the end when they're when they're all rejoicing and they're tossing her and they're she's, like, swinging between them as they're all doing the circle and, and singing the yeah. song. And yeah. I was kind of like, okay, you know. Yeah, uh, that is very weird. I don't think they're antlers, but it is really <laughs> – did, did she mate with an elk? That's hilarious. You know, that's uh, all I could think. What the hell? <laughs> what, what the hell is this? Yeah, I – again, if anybody knows what those are or what they're supposed to be, I'm kind of curious. I'm very curious about very mundane, odd little details because I have OCD to the max. So <laughs> if something bugs me, no matter how little it is, <laughs> I will ponder it. <laughs> yeah. So that's just yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. Well, I do have some I do have some trivia about this here. Mhm. Excuse me. Uh looking back here, we have all of the production artwork and character designs, they were all based around the original art of Dr. Seuss. Uh-huh. Okay. However, when Dr. Seuss first saw the Grinch, he was like, um there's a problem. And they're like, oh, really? what's the problem? Yeah, yeah. The Grinch doesn't really look like my Grinch. Oh, it really? It looks more like Chuck Jones. Oh, I'll be darned. Uh-huh. And if you ever see pictures of Chuck Jones, yeah, I can see that. Chuck Jones had a very, he had a very much wide grin, like a, a very wide uh-huh. mouth and wide jaw. And wide, if you look, like the Joker. Yeah. If you look at the, if you look at the original Dr. Seuss book, the uh-huh. Grinch's head isn't quite so wide as what they've made it out in the cartoon. You're right. It's more like a teardrop shape. Exactly. And this mm-hmm. is this was like I looked at it and I'm I'm looking and I'm going that looks more like Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Yeah, you're right. Not that there's anything wrong with that, especially animating it because that style is a lot easier to animate than what they had done for for Doctor Seuss teardrop shape. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get a lot more emotion out of a mouth that can move out and look more of a Tweedledum, Tweedledee type face. So yeah. I, I will give him that, but, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, and it, it really does. If you ever have a chance to go out to Vegas uh, mm-hmm. at the Circus Circus Hotel, mm-hmm. uh, at least last time I was there mm-hmm. last year, they had a Chuck Jones experience. Oh, and really? it's, it's basically a museum for Chuck Jones, and you get to walk through, see a lot of his artwork, see original stuff, see his uh, – his animation desk there they have it all on display and you get to like you get to like look and try and draw your own animation type stuff it's really pretty cool that sounds really cool where is that at circus circus it's at circus circus in las vegas that, that's so cool uh, so if you get a chance if, if any of you guys are out there in the neighborhood in las vegas and you want to go see it check it out it really is a cool thing they do have mm-hmm. some some of the grinch stuff because obviously this was a chuck jones production uh yeah you know it was it's again I love Chuck Jones. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, very talented. Very uh, cool. Another bit of trivia here moving on is that Thurl Ravenscroft, who sang You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, mm-hmm. you might recognize his voice uh, from the 80s growing up if you ever ate Frosted Flakes. Oh, yes. Okay. He was the voice uh-huh. of Tony the Tiger. I wondered, and you said, as soon as you said that, because, yeah, now that I'm hearing... Tony the Tiger in my head. There wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that's was uh, Thurl Ravenscroft who did it. After Very he cool. now after Thurl Ravenscroft had passed away, 
Uh, uh-huh. They had somebody else who came in and did the voice of Tony the Tiger, and I can't for the life of me remember his name. But uh-huh. he was a radio DJ out of my hometown in Santee. Uh, he actually worked at KCBQ radio no station. Yes, at 1170 KCBQ, he worked there. There were actually quite a few voice actors who came out of KCBQ. Uh, That's so cool. If you remember Voltron, there was a guy named Neil Ross who used uh-huh. to work at uh, – he used to do uh, radio DJ announcements at – kcbq and he oh, would actually leave kcbq in santee and go <laughs> out to la to go record for stuff for voltron oh that's so cool so little little tidbits about you know my lifestyle and where i've come i'm really in a voice acting area <laughs> what can i say no, i did not I, I would have said you know san diego but not necessarily where we came from santee that's very cool i know i know it's very really kind of cool. really kind of funny uh yeah also, as I mentioned here, Dr. Seuss wrote all the lyrics to all the songs. So, uh-huh. you know, I think that's kind of nice that he put out the You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. I love that. I actually put that down in my notes. You know, that is it's a great, great song. That's probably my favorite one. The entire, like, termites in your smile, garlic in your soul. I love. Yes. Yeah. Now. That you with a 39 and a half foot pole. It was just brilliant. There is a guy from San Diego. Uh, his name is Gary Hoey. Mm-hmm. And he does an instrumental version of this, and it's like a he does it all on electric guitar, and it's like a rock uh-huh. version. And if you can if you can find it, go listen to it. I I oh. was thinking about playing it here for the end song, and I'm I yeah. don't want to do that particular one because I want people to have the lyrics to it. Yeah. So I I was kind of against it, but it is an awesome awesome song. So if you get a Should chance to hear it, it, yeah, you probably can uh- YouTube it. Gary Hoey, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. That's so cool. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's probably one of my favorite Christmas songs because when you first hear it, you're like, "What the heck is this?" Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound like any. It doesn't sound like any Christmas song at all that you've ever heard. And all yeah. of a sudden, it comes in with you know, you hear the you're the mean one, Mr. Grinch uh, melody, and it's like, "Oh my god, that's what this is. This is awesome." That is so cool. It was his interpretation of the Mr. Grinch song. Yeah, That's so I mean, it, it's cool. a great song, you know, done up with electric guitar and it, it's got this great riff and it just, it sounds like something that you'd hear at a Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert or something. Nice. That's so cool. Uh, now, some other things here, as I mentioned, uh, that with Thurl Ravenscroft, he, dis- he did not receive any screen credit for his singing. Uh Dr. Seuss was actually very upset about this. Theodore Geisel was actually very upset about this. He attempted to rectify it by sending letters to every major columnist in America, identifying Ravenscroft as the singer of You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Wow. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, oh, wow. And he just, you know, he loved Thurl. And, you know, from what I've seen of Thurl Ravenscroft and his stuff, I don't see who couldn't. He was, you know, he was just this nice guy who always had this great voice and, you know, this deep, deep bass voice and not even a baritone bass. <laughs> wow. Know. Yeah. So, uh, wow. And also Theodore Geisel was initially uninterested in animating this or any of his books. Really? So he was not going to do any sort of animations for it. And huh. Chuck Jones kind of kind of pulled him aside and says, you know what, let's let's try this. Let's see how this comes out. Yeah. And look at what's happened. It's become huge. They had, you know. He's had Horton Hears a Who uh, mm-hmm. that was done by Warner Brothers. Uh, he's had, uh, you know, the Cat in the Hat that was animated. Uh, yeah. You know, some of them were done by different studios like uh, DePatie Freeling Enterprises, which, again, was another one that did some of the Tommy, uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, DePatie Freeling also did Pink Panther and such. But you do see a lot of these other studios that are picking it up. So it did become a big thing that they actually did this animation because Chuck Jones kind of kind of steered him in that direction. And I, I think it was a good thing that they did it. Absolutely. Uh, now, the other thing that I had to laugh about when I, I saw uh-huh. this, I was like, really? Wow. <laughs> Theodore Geisel did not like the idea of Boris Karloff voicing the Grinch. Wow. The reason for it was that he said, he goes, I think he'll make the Grinch too scary. Oh, because of his voice, yeah. Well, that and then the association of Frankenstein. With Frankenstein, yeah. Kids were terrified of the monster, you know, but now you look at it. I can understand that. I can understand his reservations because if that was what he was known for at the time, that makes makes sense. 
you know, so just kind of this, just kind of this throw out there. And it's kind of like, Ooh, you know, but yeah. they, I wonder if he him. had in mind, did he have anybody else in mind? Did it, that I don't know. I, I just know that he was upset that they had initially cast Boris Karloff and, Oh, wow. You know what? I'm so glad that that was that, you know, it ended up being a happy mistake in this response. You know, this oh, respect. absolutely. Boris Karloff pulled that off beautifully. He yeah, really did. It I, was he wasn't scary at all. He was he, he was um, what's the word? Endearing. Yes. And, and <laughs> I would say he that grumpy. he had that that velvety gruff voice and just it was like, you know, it wasn't silk, but it was definitely dark and you know, just ugh. very, very unique. And that I think was a necessary part of the the film to kind of, you know, set it apart. It ne- the voice needed to be distinctive. It needed to be dark. It needed to be deep. It needed to have that little extra something. And I think that that was a brilliant casting. Move yes. There. Very cool. Uh, now, two other things that I have here, the Grinch's green color, uh-huh. It was originally decided by the director, Chuck Jones, uh, due to experiences that he had for renting cars out of the Washington, Baltimore area. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, it always turned out to be the same exact puke green shade. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he's like, yeah, we're going to make the Grinch that because I, ha- I can't stand that color. And here we go. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. And it kind of does make him look um, not only different from the Who's, but. Like, I'm, I don't want to say a monster, but I guess in a way he kind of was, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was Very dark nice. and I want to say evil, but it really wasn't. He wasn't no. evil, per se, because he did kind of come to his senses and realize, oh, I've screwed up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, the last thing is that Boris Karloff's voice was uh-huh. changed. Uh when he speaks for the Grinch, it's actually different from the narrator's voice. Uh, it's a little lighter, isn't it? What? Yes. What uh, happened is that after the recording was complete, they went and they said, you know what? We want to distinguish between the narrator and the Grinch itself talking. Yeah. Yeah. And so they basically – they went through and they they mechanically modified his voice on the recording and they took mm-hmm. the highs out of his voice and they mm-hmm. were removed. So you got this gravelly, deeper voice from uh, the Grinch versus uh, the narrator um, yeah in fact i was going to mention that because i knew that it was boris karloff that did both but i just figured it was his just him being talented that he he spoke differently for the grinch i wasn't sure you know how that came about but yeah you can definitely tell it's him but it's just enough difference to where you can question it like, yeah oh, yeah very very interesting they actually modified it wow that's pretty much all that I have here. If you've got anything else in that you want to plug in here, feel free. Okay. I just have to mention just memorable scenes. Um, I love the entire thing, of course, but I have to bring up, you know, I really love the scene. My favorite scene, I think, is when they, you know, he gets his preparations for being Santa, and then he, you know, sets up his poor dog, Max, who puts up with so much abuse. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, he makes them into the reindeer or whatever, and they're going down, you know, in the sleigh, going down to Whoville. And I love how, like, basically, you know, poor Max couldn't keep up with the sleigh. It was going so fast, and then, you know, Max ends up behind it. And, you know, the Grinch is looking down at one point underneath the sleigh, can't see Max, comes back up, and then Max is there in his face, and they're kind of, like, floating in the air. And <laughs> there was one particular scene where Max kind of waves at him before they go down. Every time I see that, it just cracks me up. You see Max smiling and waving at the Grinch, and he's sitting right in, you know, right in front of him, and then it drops down. Um, I just thought it was hilarious. And every time I watch it every year, I just think that little scene is hilarious where you know, he's expecting this little tiny dog <laughs> to pull this huge-ass sleigh down you know, 10,000 feet. And I, I love it when they load the sleigh up completely, and like everything's oh. in the sleigh. You see this big, huge bulge, and he's like, <laughs> Max, pull it up Mount Crumpet. Exactly. It's like, like, really? Yeah. (laughs) This tiny little dog. And then I also noticed, too, once the Grinch got to the first Who's house, uh, did did you notice the little stockings, the little Who's stockings? It was like little multicolored socks. They were so cute. You know, just like, I don't know, you know, maybe 
people back in the day used socks? I, I don't know, but I just, I noticed that. I was like, they don't look like stockings. They look like little multicolored socks. How cute. And they were all little tiny, you know? Yeah. So that, I thought that was cute. And even when he was there getting all the Christmas stuff, I remember even as a kid taking note, like, wow, he's not just taking the Christmas presents and the Christmas tree and the decorations. He's taking camera film, ice, flower petals, logs, crumbs, you know, everything. Yes. He's like robbing, he's like robbing them blind. And even as a kid, I'm like, that's just so messed up. That is so wrong. You know, even taking crumbs from a mouse, you know, I'm just like, wow. And I, I even remember telling my mom, wow, he's really overdoing it, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and my mom is like, yeah, it's, it's a little overdone, but it gets better. You know, keep watching, you know. Um, and it just like, it just kind of added that extra, um, what's a little extra, you know, extra something because when yeah. he finally comes back and returns everything. You know, but I just remember thinking, wow, he could have just, you know, it's bad enough just taking the Christmas stuff. He has to take everything else. You know, the poor who's, you know, yeah. <laughs> they didn't do anything wrong. Um, but I do love also, we already mentioned this, but I do love how even with all their things gone, that they sang and they celebrated Christmas anyway. And, you know, they didn't have presents and their food and the decorations. They had nothing, but they still, you know, they knew what Christmas was all about and they, I love how they taught him that, you know, and that he came around. And I think that it, it actually sends a great message just for the people who watch it, for the children and adults who watch it, because it really, you know, again, just like, what was the other movie we talked about where, oh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's not about the presents and it's not about all the external, you know, decorations are nice, but it's not what Christmas is about. It just adds to it, but it's really about togetherness and family and, and, and Jesus and the true meaning, you know, love and togetherness. And right. I love how it, at the end it becomes clear to the Grinch. And it also, it, it's nicely put for the children and the adults who watch it too, in my opinion. I just think overall it sends a very, very good message. Um, I didn't like what I just mentioned about how he takes every single thing from the Who's. I, I think that part could have been left out. Um, but overall, I just believe it does have a very good message, and I really liked it. Well, I, I would say this here in argument to that, playing devil's advocate, I would say that it was important that we do see it so that we can really see how mean and nasty he was becoming. That's true. And That's true. how much he changed because he became a he did a total 180, and he brought everything back. Yes, he did. So maybe that was necessary. I was thinking that too, as soon as I said it. Maybe it was a way to really accentuate the negative and then really accentuate the positive at the end. Yeah. So that does make sense. That does make sense. Um, but yeah, I, I love this. I look forward to this every year. I This is one just like Charlie Brown Christmas and Rudolph and Frosty and Santa Claus is coming to town. This is one that I look forward to every single year. Yeah. And I love it. It does not get old. And my children, you know, just I've, like I was telling you off air, we've seen this every day in the past week <laughs> and they specifically ask for it. Mom, can we watch <laughs> the Grinch? And I'm like, again, <laughs> Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, but I don't mind it. I mean, the whole month of December we devote to Christmas movies and that's pretty much all we watch. Yep. And this is one of their favorites. And I remember it was one of mine too, as a kid. And I don't mind talking to them about, you know, what's the meaning of Christmas girls? What, you know, does it really yeah. matter how many presents are under that tree? You know, yeah. I use every single one of these movies as a teachable moment. Yeah. For my does kids. it, does it matter if you really get that Xbox or that, you know, that iPod or exactly. is it about being with your family here? So exactly. And I do that every time we watch a Christmas movie, I always say now girls, you know, what did you get from this? Or, you know, let's, let's think about what Christmas really is about. Um, and we have a children's Bible and, and I've read to them from the children's Bible to give them an understanding about Jesus. And, you know, they know who he is. I have some, you know, I have a manger decoration with baby Jesus and, you know, they understand, okay, it's not just about presents. There's right. more to this. And I love how these Christmas classics address that and they all do it kind of differently, but the message is the same. And ultimately, yeah, this is one of my, definitely one of my favorites. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode here. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to tie off uh, this episode of Talking About My Generation. 
Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. Uh, as we've mentioned before, we, we have had some people go through and leave us feedback. Uh, we had somebody from uh, Will who went and left us some wonderful feedback a while back. Uh, <laughs> please, anybody else, go through, tell us what you think of the, of the podcast. If you know, if you hate us, tell us that. Maybe we can make an improvement. We don't know if you, unless you guys say something. So please tell us. Uh, you can send us a tweet. I'm at S P R Z O U T. I am at Mommy of Three C Girls. Okay. Uh, you can also leave us feedback on our Facebook page at Talking <laughs> About My Generation, or you can go and leave feedback on MyGenerationPodcast.com. And mm-hmm. if you decide that you want to listen to us other than through iTunes, we are also on Stitcher for listening. Uh, to download so please check us out here Uh, and then for this episode we're going to go ahead and sign off with the thorough ravenscroft version of you're a mean one mr grinch okay you're a mean one mr grinch you really are a You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole Your brain is full of spiders You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch You have termites in your smile You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch you're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. You're a rotter, Mr. Grinch. You're the king of sinful socks. Your heart's a dead tomato splotched with moldy purple spots, Mr. Grinch. Your soul is an appalling dump heap, overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of deplorable rubbish imaginable, mangled up in tangled up knots. You nauseate me. Mr. Grinch, with a nauseous super nos. You're a crooked, jerky jockey, and you drive a crooked hoss, Mr. Grinch. You're a three-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich with arsenic sauce.